The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to episode 98 of The Catholics of Oz. The Catholics of Oz is a show where we discuss faith, culture, and what's been happening from an Aussie perspective. Whether it's synods or science, apostolates and apps, providence or productivity, you can hear it right now on The Catholics of Oz. Hello, I'm Lindsay Sands and welcome to episode 98 of The Catholics of Oz. So great to have you with us. (laughs) I am joined today by my... Uh, mostly well, I don't know, honey-filled, (laughs) lemon-scented sister, Caroline Knight. Caroline, how are you today? I'm okay, thank you. Just, you know, enduring the ravages of winter again. You know how it's my favourite month of the year, I mean, favourite season of the year. Yeah. 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 It's going around the school. Lovely cold season, yeah, Yeah. cold and flu season. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) That's the the tough thing with kids, isn't it? That yeah. Once their kids get sick, it's like, yeah, yeah, they bring it home from school or kinder in our case. So then. My poor son is worse than me. He's quite fevery, but he's um he's on the mend slowly. Yeah, hopefully he'll be okay. We we teach our kids to share, but maybe it's not such a good idea. Maybe that was a mistake. <laughs> not viruses. <laughs> kids, there are some things that are good to share, like food, a nice story. A good joke, you know, you know. Yeah, no. My boys don't know how to keep those things to themselves, unfortunately. <laughs> Germs and viruses, keep it. <laughs> yeah, share it with your immune system, not with us. Yes. So um, we'll put out the same warning to our, our listeners that we had to put out last week. This might be a dog cast and a bird cast, so... I have, uh, you can't see this, but my dog, is, Caroline can see, but my, my dog is sleeping <laughs> on my lap right now. Um, every now and then if she hears a noise, she might bark. So we'll just, hopefully she won't hear any noises. And uh, Caroline, you've got Bert, your birdie somewhere in the background. <laughs> He's a very needy bird and he needs attention all the time. And if he doesn't get it, <laughs> he screams his head off. <laughs> uh. And we might hear some chirping going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, we thought we'd up the ante this week. So I have the additional challenge of my five-year-old who's already come through. So he's, yeah. uh, he's sitting in the living room watching some television right now and just, uh, just playing quietly um, until my wife gets home from dropping my young, eldest son into his, uh, his tennis game. So uh, we're balancing everything today. So we started episode 98. This is actually the second attempt at starting episode 98. <laughs> First time round. I, uh, I started with, you're listening to episode 98 of Catholics of Oz, and straight away my son came in, Daddy, I want some fruit. <laughs> so that was it. So, yeah. So this is part two. Let's see what happens next. Yeah. We're keeping it real, Lindsay. Keeping, keeping it, real. it real. Yeah. So uh, before we begin the show, I just wanted to mention, we've hinted at this before, now we're saying it. In a few weeks' time, we're going to be recording our 100th episode, which is very exciting. We're a fortnightly episode. So it's taken us about four years to get to this point of, um, to where we got to episode 100, which we're very excited about. Uh, Lino will be here for that episode. Right now, he's on his way home from Malta, from his uh, Maltese holiday with his beautiful wife, Benedette. So they'll be, back, uh, they'll be back in a couple of days at time of recording. By the time you hear this, they'll already be back. So welcome back, guys. <laughs> so for our 100th episode, we wanted to have a bit of fun. We're going to be doing some, some interesting things. But one thing we would really love is if you're listening to the show and you'd like to share some things about what you like about the show, what you've enjoyed, maybe a segment that you've loved or something that we've done in a previous episode that you thought was entertaining or anything like that, we would love for you to, uh, to share that with us and be part of our show. 
So you can be part of the show by recording. You can simply record on your phone or your laptop or whatever device you might have. A short message, which we'll play during that 100th episode. We're recording that on, I think it's July the 8th. So anytime before July the 8th, you can do that recording and send it to catholicsofoz at sqpn.com. And I'll share that email address at the end of the show again. Oz spelt O-Z. That's Z in other parts of the world, but just so, just for anyone who's in our hemisphere as well. Any hemisphere is welcome. We are, we are hemisphere welcoming in, a, in this show, <laughs> <laughs> whatever that means. So um, before, we, uh, before we move on, if you're new to listening to the show, Great time to join in because our 100th episode is coming up. But you can subscribe by giving the, the little tick on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, or your favorite podcast player. Don't forget to give us a five-star rating and some positive comments or feedback on those uh, places as well so that new people can find us and be part of this community. SQPN also hosts the Catholics of Oz on YouTube. You can subscribe there. Don't forget to hit the bell to get new, new notifications or get notifications when new episodes are released. And there's also other great content from SQPN, like Jimmy Aiken's Mysterious World, Secrets of Star Trek, Secrets of Doctor Who, Secrets of Star Wars, and so many others that I'm going to get. Oh, uh, Secrets of Stargates and movies and TV show. There's so many great shows. Raising the bets. I'm going to forget them all. Sorry if I forgot anything else. But what I'm getting at is StarQuest produces great content, including this humble little show here. So subscribe and, and start listening and being part of that, the community that listens. So with that in mind, Caroline, let's move on. And let's talk about Faith Beyond Borders. Well, I'm actually feeling rather good about this. I think we've all arrived at a very special place, eh? Oh. Spiritually, ecumenically. How do you make somebody love you without affecting free will? Welcome to my world, son. You come up with an answer to that one, you let me know. Yes, I had to work very hard to pass Latin and theology quite. Those are, of course, the most important things. Oh, yeah. I'd sit this one out, Cap. I don't see how I can. These guys come from legend. They're basically gods. There's only one god, man. And I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that. At time of recording, the Feast of Pentecost is tomorrow. By the time this episode comes out, the Feast of Pentecost will be a week ago. But the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our church and empowering us to be evangelizers and doing all those things never stops. It's not just on a feast day, it's, it's every day of our life. And the, the Holy Spirit is so important in the role and the life of our church that I thought I might say a couple of things about that today. So, Carolyn, I'm going to throw you under the bus. I actually forgot to ask you to do this before the show. But in our show notes, if you were to scroll to uh, below the, the last page and you'll see my lovely name, Lindsay. And uh, I've got the reading from the Gospel of John, which is going to be the reading, um, the, the Gospel reading at Mass or that Sunday Mass. Mm-hmm. And uh, in a moment, uh, I'm giving you time, see, if you could share it with us. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's a short one. I'm sure you'll manage. <laughs> so um, before you do read it, though, the other Sunday Mass readings for this particular feast are Acts 2, 1 to 11. And this is about the apostles being filled with the Holy Spirit. So being um, in the upper room and being filled with the Holy Spirit and then speaking and boldly proclaiming the gospel, the good news of Jesus to people in their own languages. And this is, you know, the Holy Spirit, you know, God being uh, not just for one particular type of person, but being for everyone. God is reaching out to the entire world to, you know, to Jews and Gentiles alike. And then we have Paul's letter to the Corinthians for the second reading. And this is about saying that we can only recognize Jesus as Lord of our lives 
if we're under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So I'll say more about those things later on. And this is chapter 20, verses 19 to 23. It was evening of the first day of the week. The doors were closed in the room where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them. He said to them, Peace be with you, and showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were filled with joy when they saw the Lord, and he said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. For whose sins you forgive, they are forgiven. For whose sins you retain, they are retained. And so what I thought I'd do, Caroline, is share just a commentary on this, explaining some of the meanings. And some of this is scholarly, and a lot of it is spiritual. So it's a spiritual interpretation of um, this short passage, just to draw some meanings for us about what, uh, what it means that we've received the Spirit and that the Spirit is active in the, in the life of the church. And then also, um, I just wanted to share an anecdote from Pope Francis that he shared at one of his weekly audiences uh, last Wednesday as well as part of it. And then just conclude with some thoughts that we can, we can share ourselves. Caroline, if you hear anything in any of this commentary you want to respond to, just go ahead as well, okay? All right, here we go. The first uh, verse of this, of this passage, it was early evening of the first day of the week. And so for Christians who would have read this in the, in the early church, they would have understood the first day of the week to be the day when everyone receives Eucharist, the Sunday, right? The celebration of Eucharist. So it's within that context that the, the story, that this story of Jesus appearing to his disciples um, is given. And um, the commentator says what was to unfold would have had relevance for th- those who understood Jesus' presence with them within Eucharistic gatherings. So then it goes on to say the doors where the disciples were gathered were closed because of fear of the Jews. And so the idea that the doors were closed symbolically could have been understood that at this time, actually, the hearts of the apostles who were gathered in that room were also closed because they were paralyzed by fear. So they were worried that, that being associated with Jesus, who had been arrested and then executed, would also get them into trouble as well, that they'd, also be, that they'd be next, right? They've got Jesus, now let's go after the followers of Jesus. So they, they were worried about that. But then it says, Jesus came and uh, stood up in their midst, and he said to them, peace be with you. So what we see, and John's gospel is full of this, where Jesus takes the initiative, I've talked in previous podcasts about how, for example, at the arrest of Jesus in the garden, uh, they, they say, um, you know, he says, who are you looking for? And they say, we're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene. And he says, I am he. And they fall to the floor, the ground, and they don't get up until he once again says, who are you looking for? So to say that everything that happens is within the power of God to continue, right? So, you know, Jesus is so spirit filled that he's aligned with, with the will of his father. And so we see here again that Jesus takes the initiative. So they're hiding in a, in a room and he comes in and it says, and he stood up amongst them and he said, peace be with you. Here, so um, his greeting of peace, which comes from the Hebrew word shalom, uh, is the first, according to this commentary, the first and defining word of the risen one and carries probably the most revealing message of the gospel. If we remember that before this time, Jesus had been humiliated and brutalized and abandoned and executed without a single word of, of hatred or anger or thanks, guys. You know, he didn't come back and say, Thank, thanks, guys. You could have been there when this happened, right? No, the first thing he says is, peace be with you. So we're seeing the forgiveness of God straight away, the love of God pouring onto these disciples. So this word of shalom expresses simply and beautifully the heart of Christ. 
or the heart of God. He was free to say whatever he wanted in that circumstance. And the first thing he showed was love through his words, peace be with you. So we see the heart of Christ and the heart of the Father again being revealed uh, to, the, to the apostles or the disciples here. Then uh, it says that he showed them his hands and his side. And we know, we know what that means, right? That the holes you know, of, the, of the nails and the, and, the, and the piercing of the lance. And then what he's doing is showing the darkness of sin of humanity, which was, which was you know, so brutally put onto his body, has been converted into something of love. So we, we've got this forgiveness going on. Um, he carried the marks of his suffering because it, it is now, as I've said, a concrete example of love. How is his love shaped? His love is the shape of our sin. All the darkness that we are capable of, all of humanity's sin has now been converted into a sign of love. Just like, and I think, I think of like the cross, right? The cross itself was a sign of execution. And now we display it everywhere, right? We we. We display this torture device, we wear it. You, know, you would think that's pretty sadistic, right? But no, it's no longer a sign of torture, it's a sign of love. And Christ's body itself, all the wounds on his body, are also this sign of, of brutality being converted to love. God's love is bigger than any of these things could ever be. And this is what we see in this story. And this is before he breathed the Spirit on them, right? There's this beautiful reflection, and I'll read it word for word from the commentary. By the way, the link for this commentary will be in our show notes, but I'll read this word for word. For believers, resurrection will not be a totally new start, but will be based on a continuity with what has been. The choices made in life shape the human personality and echo into eternity. As Jesus had repeated so often, eternal life is not something unconnected with the historical choices people make. Eternal life begins in time. Humanity carries its wounds through death into eternity where they are transformed and become sources of eternal life and joy. So Jesus carrying our wounds in from time, our human time, and into eternity is carrying our sin and converting it into love, is, saying, is transforming our darkness into light and saying, this is the light that I have for you. The darkness we have now, the hope that we have is of God taking the darkness and the brokenness of our lives today into eternity and, and, and saying, I love you through this. And so because of that, now we say that they're filled with joy. So don't take this being filled with joy as, oh, thank God Jesus is back, right? We thought, we thought it was over, right? Yeah, all right, maybe seeing Jesus filled them with joy for sure. But there's a greater joy in what I just said, right? In that the wounds, he, he showed them the marks first before they were filled with joy. So we, again, we can read in a couple of ways. Oh, Jesus is back. That's good. Oh, yes, this is Jesus because you know, we can see the crucified marks and whatever else. That's all, sure, there's a lot of truth to that. But it's not just what they saw, but it's the meaning of what they saw as well. Now, now they understood what Jesus is all about. He'd preached all these things, and some of it was probably a little bit confusing, you know, preached in parables, preached in this way, and said things that sounded quite mysterious. Now they understood what his resurrection means, that what happened here in this life has a continuity in the next. And he's here to bring us to all of that. So they're filled with joy naturally, right? So joy, the commentary says, accompanies genuine faith. How do we know our faith is genuine? You know, our, you know, again, what is faith? It's our trust in what we believe. It's our confidence in what we believe and so on. Because there's some joy going on there. And, and now, I don't want to say you need to be artificially joyful when you're struggling. Of course, we, we feel sorrow. We feel pain throughout our life as well. But there's always this hope-filled joy that we're in God's hands in all of these times. 
in all of the challenges of our life. But joy is not simply the resurrection, but it's also accompanied with Jesus' message. So, and what is that message? Jesus is the gratuitously forgiving God. There is no other. And so the disciples have found their Easter faith. And this is the crux of our Easter faith, the joy-filled faith that our sorrow uh, will be turned into joy with God. And so then he bookends that by saying again, peace be with you. So he says it twice. So that little bit that we've just seen of him standing amongst them, saying peace be with you, showing the wounds, then being filled with joy. And then he caps it off by saying again, peace be with you. Here is what God's peace means is in, that, in those three or four sentences. So it's, it's actually a quite a profound passage, right? It's not just, hey, I'm back. And they're like, yay, and they had a party. There's, there's a, <laughs> it's, it's eternity right there in the room, right? There's a lot more going on. Mm. Then he goes on to put them on mission. Now it's time. Now you know the message. Now you've seen it. Now you understand it, guys. Then he says, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you out. So Jesus, as we know, had been sent by God to show what God looks like in human terms, the human face of God, and to do God's work. Now it's our turn, right? So to the disciples, now it's your turn for us reading. Now it's our turn. What was the mission? It was that thing about the marks on Jesus' body, right? The human sin. The work was to love the world and through that love to save it. Think about John 3.16, for God loved the world, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son, right? And then read the rest of the passage there, the rest of the, those verses. The, those wounds of Christ, again, become that joy, become that peace of God, the, the sign of God's love for, for the world. And now he says, I'm sending you out to do what I did. Do the same thing now. You know, show, talk about these wounds that I'm showing you and talk about how these wounds are, are God's love for you and let people feel that love through what it is that you say and what you do. I'm paraphrasing for Christ. He probably said it a lot better than me, but that, you know, but the meaning, <laughs> but, you know, but the meaning of, of what that, that little, those three or four lines, right? They're so profound, mm. but the meaning of those mm. lines, it means they understood. And for us as readers, it's like, now you understand. And now do what the father has done. He sent me. Now I'm sending you to do what I did. So the disciples received their, their mission, right? And the thing is this, right? In this narrative, apart from hearing about Thomas later, but not in this, in this reading, but later on, the disciples aren't named. Now we can go on and say, all right, it's the 12, whatever else, whatever, right? But the thing is also the word disciples so that anyone who reads will know that by their baptism, we're also disciples. If you're a follower of Christ, you're a disciple, right? We're not one of the 12, but we are disciples of Christ by our baptism. So now disciples who are listening, as the father sent me, so I'm sending you out. All right, it's beautiful, right? Get, let's get to mission now. Let's do what we've been asked to do and, and, and help God in doing, in doing that work of showing God's love. What does that love of God look like? It's a saving love. It's also a practical love as well. And, and to follow that love to wherever it goes, whatever the price. So then it goes on to say in verse 22, after he said this, he breathed into them and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. So he gives them a, a command and he gives them what they need, right, to, to do it. And this is, this is also for us too. Again, on Pentecost, the receiving of the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit is God's love active in the world. The Spirit is God's love active in the world. It, you know, it, it is giving them the Spirit. He, uh, before he died, one of the last things he said was, I'll give you the Spirit. Now he does it. And this is him breathing the Spirit onto them. And, you know, think back to Adam and Eve, right? You know, he animated their lives by breathing into them. 
you know, the breath of God. The word spirit, and I hope I get this right, comes from the, the Greek word inspiron, right? And inspiron, it means to breathe, you know, to breathe into. It sounds also like the word inspire, right? So inspiring life into something, right? Breathing the life of, of God into something to give it life, to inspire it into life. And this is, we see this in the creation story. And that same breath of God is Jesus, is God breathing life into the apostles, a new creation, right? Into the disciples. And that same breath of God is breathed into us as well. At all of the sacraments we encounter, our encounters with God through the Holy Spirit breathing into us. If you think, for example, uh, of any of the sacraments, most of them, in fact, not all of them, have the laying of hands in some way, shape or form, right? And the church calls this epiclesis, laying of hands. And in the laying of hands, it's the action of the Holy Spirit. So think at Eucharist, when the priest puts his hands over the bread and wine. So, and he says, send down your spirit on these gifts, right? This is the epiclesis, the laying of hands. And this is the Holy Spirit working in these gifts of bread and wine. Or when you're at confession and the priest is doing the final blessing, he'll raise his hands to bless you, right? And this is the spirit working. Um, or baptism, confirmation with the bishop putting his hand, all of it. When you see this laying of hands in sacraments, it's the work of the Holy Spirit now. You are having the Spirit breathed into you, the inspiron, come to life, all right, all the time. Come to life and do the mission of God. The other thing as well is this breathing of Christ onto his disciples is an up-close encounter, maybe, according to the, 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 um, the author of this commentary, an embrace. And as such, it's an expression of God's wonderful intimacy. So when you see the laying of hands, people, it's not just a, an action of the priest. It's God's embrace of you. It's God's intimacy with you, God's love for you. And just go back to this narrative. Every time you see the laying of the hands and think of God breathing his spirit into you right now at this moment. So then in verse 23, Jesus then says, those whose sins you forgive are forgiven. Uh, those whose sins you retain are retained. Or another translation is those whose sins you forgive are forgiven. Those whom you keep hold of are held. The narrative here, again, is God taking initiative, God not waiting for sin to happen, saying when you encounter sin, it's, it's a time for forgiveness. It's time to show love. You know, people will feel broken by their sins. People will hurt themselves and hurt each other through sin. And this is where it's time for the marks of God's body, God's love to be shown because God's love is healing of sin. God's love is healing of that spiritual problem that we have of sin. All of us do it. All of us are capable of sin. And we can't, you know, we're only freed from sin through Christ. So let's see that freedom from sin through the love of God. And, and what is the context of our sin? The unconditional love of God. And we might feel unworthy, but God says, no, you are worthy. You're worthy of love. This is the other thing as well. It says here, and I'll just read the last lines of this commentary. It says, hearts of stone become hearts of flesh. And this is through God's love. Sinners find themselves freed from the constricting and dehumanizing power of sin. Those who choose to ignore the offer of forgiveness remain in meaningless isolating self-centeredness and alienation of sin and hopelessness. So we have a choice uh, in our Christian life. We have a choice, God's love or not. Which one do you prefer? I think of in, this, in moments like this, I think of Moses where he's preaching to the people and, you know, and, he's, and I'm paraphrasing, but he says, you have a choice um, between life and death. And Moses says, choose life, right? And, and Jesus is doing the same, right? He's saying, choose life. The love of God is life. So why not choose it, right? Um, be free. Let your heart of stone become a heart of flesh. And then that way you can help others become, 
you know, change their hearts into a heart of flesh as well. So uh, it says here, not surprisingly, the simple di- uh, directive teases out the detail of Jesus' uh, previous sending onto mission. All have been sent by the Father. He had been sent to reveal God's love uh, and to save the world from its sin. The mission now of disciples is to reveal that love of God and to, and to save the world through that. So finally, Jesus had saved the world from its sin by revealing sin to the world. He had done this firstly by letting sin be seen for what it was, by showing the violence of the world behind every sin, a violence ready to, um, to sacrifice others for the sake of self-interest. This sin killed him, despite his clear innocence. He had freely and willingly accepted the price of loving in a sin-dominated world, but of itself, such confrontation would not have led to, uh, the world uh, to see and own its own sin. For that, the very act of confronting the world with its sin needed to be accompanied by a certain, the certainty of forgiveness. Sin can neither be seen nor owned as such, other than against the background of God's unconditioned, relentless love. So what we see through Pentecost Sunday is the pouring out of a spirit of love to convert the world and, and bring this joy, despite the circumstance of our life, to bring joy to the world as well. Before I go on, Caroline, I've said quite a bit. Any, any responses or thoughts or reflections on any of that? Yeah, well, I was just thinking to myself, Frankie will be my eldest son, will have his confirmation at the end of the year. Mm. It's kind of just reminding me of, you know, how you were saying, you know, during Jesus' life, during Jesus' life, disciples, apostles were learning from Jesus. And then after, after he died and he came back, he gave them the Holy Spirit. Mm. It's kind of, They went on a journey with him, you know, and at the end, you know, he gave them all the tools they need to go on and preach and and spread the good news and, you know, the word of God around the place. And I'm just thinking it's the same as us on our sacramental journey, I guess you could call it, you know, we're baptized, we receive our communion, you know, think of the the Last Supper gave them, you know, his body and blood Mm. and, and same with us. And they didn't quite get it, but, you know, (laughs) at that time. But then, you know, he comes back and kind of it seems like everything clicks. It's like, oh, is that what you meant? Mm. This is what you meant. You kept saying you were going to die and you did. And then you said you were going to come back and you did, you know. And I think everything kind of just clicked. And I think when we have our holy, our confirmation, maybe we're too young to fully understand, but, you know, we... We receive the Holy Spirit as well. And it's like, okay, now you can go on your journey as a kind of, not quite an adult, but, you know, you are, you're mature enough and old enough to understand now. And you can, you know, go and live your faith fully now. You know, you've yeah. got the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I just find that, that parallel, you know, because the apostles at that time were quite clueless. They didn't really understand what he was doing. They liked Jesus. They knew what he was doing was good. Yeah. They wanted to follow him. But there was something missing. They didn't quite, <laughs> it wasn't all there yet. Yeah. And I think that's the same with us. We go on this journey. Maybe we don't really understand as children what, what we're doing. You know, it's about when we're babies and baptized, of course, we don't understand. And then we get told, oh, you're going to do reconciliation. Like, oh, yeah, that's good. You're going to receive Jesus now, and you know, your Holy Communion. And we're like, oh, yeah, that's really good. You know, and then confirmation is like, yeah, okay. And then. <laughs> Maybe we don't fully understand mm. as children, but as we get older, we've been given all the tools and then we start to understand, you know, it's, yeah. it's a journey. 
and I feel like they went through the same journey and I think they were still learning afterwards as well. I think that's kind of a parallel to the apostles and to us, you know. Yeah. So that's, that's what came to my mind anyway. No, that's beautiful. <laughs> our, our faith is really based on their witness, and, um, mm. you know, but on, on their transformation through the Spirit. Because Christ, was, mm. Christ was the witness of God for them in flesh and they passed on that witness through their lives. And now we do the same today, mm. right? We're in continuity with, with all of that work, which is really amazing. I wanted to share, speaking of witnesses, I just want to share one anecdote from Pope Francis to, um, to cap this off. On the 24th of May, he gave a general audience. And this is where he, uh, you know, on a Wednesday afternoon, I think it's afternoon, he'll, um, you know, go out and speak, you know, on a, on the, and speak to the crowd. And then he'll kind of like drive through on the Mobile and, you know, kiss babies and whatever else that he does, you know, bless people. In the context of Pentecost upcoming, he told the following story. I'm only going to read a few paragraphs, not the whole thing, but there'll be a link to this in the show notes if anyone would like to read, to read it. But he said, um, in this catechesis uh, or teaching, um, he said, we place ourselves in the school of some of the saints who, as exemplary witnesses, teach us apostolic zeal. Um, so let us recall that we're talking about apostolic zeal, which is what we must have in order to proclaim the gospel. So essentially, when we're full of the Holy Spirit, you know, we are, we are full of this apostolic zeal, basically this love for our faith to want to share it in whatever way that we can. And he said today, um, he's got a, a great example of a saint of the passion for evangelization from a faraway land, namely the Korean church. He said, that, um, let's look at the Korean martyr and first priest, St. Andrew Kim Taegon, said, but the first Korean priest, you know something? The evangelization of Korea was done by the laity. I'm using the uh, punctuation here to read like he probably said it, right? So, um, yeah, <laughs> so it was the baptized laity who transmitted the faith. There were no priests because they had none. Then later, but the first evangelization was done by the laity. We would be capable of something like that. Let's think about it. It's interesting. And this is one of the first priests, St. Andrew. His life was and remains an eloquent testimony of the proclamation of the gospel, the zeal for this. About 200 years ago, the Korean land was a scene of severe persecution. Christians were persecuted and annihilated. At that time, believing in Jesus in Korea meant being ready to bear witness even unto death. Specifically, from the example of St. Andrew Kim, we can draw out two concrete aspects of his life. The first is the way he used, uh, used to meet with the faithful. Given the highly intimidating context, the saint was forced to approach Christians in a discreet manner and always in the presence of other people, as if they had been talking to each other for a while. Then to confirm the Christian identity of his interlocutor, St. Andrew would implement these devices. First, there was the previously agreed upon sign of recognition. You will meet with this Christian and he will have this sign on his outfit or on his hand. And after that, he would surreptitiously ask the question, but all under his breath. And he would say, are you a disciple of Jesus? Since other people were watching the conversation, the saint had to speak in a low voice, saying only a few words, the most essential ones. So for Andrew Kim, the expression that sums up the whole identity of the Christian was disciple of Christ. Are you a disciple of Christ? But in a soft voice, because it was dangerous. It was forbidden to be a Christian there. So from that first point, the first point that Pope Francis makes, the question is, are you a disciple of Christ? Which is basically from the reading that we just looked at. And he says, indeed, being a disciple of the Lord means following him, following his path. And the Christian is by nature one who preaches and bears witness to Jesus. 
Every Christian community received this identity from the Holy Spirit, and so, and so does the whole church since the day of Pentecost. So there's tying that first point together with the reading we've just looked at. Now, the second point he says is uh, a concrete example. He said, when he was still a seminarian, St. Andrew had to find a way to secretly welcome missionary priests from abroad. This was not an easy task, as the regime of the time strictly forbade all foreigners from entering the territory. That is why it had been, before this, so difficult to find a priest that could come to do missionary work. The laity undertook that mission. One time, think about what Andrew did. One time, he was walking in the snow without eating for so long that he fell to the ground exhausted, risking unconsciousness and freezing. At that point, he suddenly heard a voice, get up, walk. Hearing that voice, Andrew came to his senses, catching a glimpse of something like a shadow of someone guiding him. This experience of the Korean witness makes us understand the very important aspect of apostolic zeal, namely the courage to get back up when one falls. But do saints fall? Yes, indeed, from the earliest times. Think of St. Peter. He committed a great sin, hey? That's Pope Francis, by the way. He's got an air over there. <laughs> but he found strength in God's mercy and got up again. And in St. Andrew, we see this strength. He had fallen physically, but he had the strength to go, 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 to carry the message forward. And for the rest of us listening today, we're all going to fall in some way, shape, or form. We're going to find our strength being sapped by whatever, you know, by having the cold, Caroline, you know, by... By, you know, by our children sometimes being difficult. This happens to all of us. Our children are difficult. You know, I've, I've got a teenage son. I love him to bits, but sometimes he's a bit, you know, challenging. That, that happens, right? <laughs> by our work lives, by, our, by life itself, by whatever it is, by trying to be a disciple of Jesus, but just not get, feeling like we're not getting anywhere. And, you know, what is Pope Francis's message? What is the message of St. Andrew? What is the message of Jesus? Get back up. All right, get back up. The Holy Spirit's got you. Get back up. And the last thing I want to say about this is sometimes we might think, how do I know the Holy Spirit is present, is present in my life? How do I know? How can I be sure that I'm doing what the Spirit wants me to do? I think of, you know, actually of a previous homily about, about three weeks ago of our, of our parish priest, Father Joseph Prince. He was saying something about this as well. And it's, I would say it's maybe it's simpler than we think, right? And that is, because he was saying, you know, when we pray and Jesus says, you know, when two or more are gathered in my name, I'm there and whatever you ask for, I'll give, right? And that's a bold claim to make. But he was saying, and this is something I think this is really important for us to remember, is that when we pray, what are we praying for? We should be praying for things that are aligned with God's will. Now, he didn't mention this, but this came to mind straight away. The Our Father, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is what we're praying for. How do we know that we are that that we are in line with with the Holy Spirit with what God wants us to do in our mission by being aligned with the will of God? How do I know what the will of God is? Look at the wounds of Jesus on his body that he showed. The will of God is not to say you did this to me, all right? Although it's true, right? But it's not about blame and recrimination for what our sins have done to Christ. It's to say Christ is bigger than our sins. Christ is bigger than our problems. Christ is bigger than any problem we will have in our life. And while we struggle, Christ is walking with us through it. And like Christ, I am going to walk with you as well, because this is what the Holy Spirit calls us to do. We are healers of each other's wounds through Christ. We are there. We are conduits for Christ to do the work. And Christ will empower us to do that work. And our mission of evangelization 
is sharing the teachings, you know, the teachings that Christ gave us. And through those teachings, sharing the healing love of God. All right. So people experience the healing love of God through us. So that's how you can be aligned with the spirit. Keep it simple. Don't, don't, you know, don't worry about, I can't feel God's presence in my life. Well, you know what? We don't always feel God's presence in our life. It's not that we don't feel that it's there all the time, but it is there. Christ is there, uh, you know, through the spirit, um, walking with us through our life and wanting to walk with others. And time, sometimes we might even say, but I can't find God. And I would say, you're thinking about it wrong because it's not about finding God. God's already found you. God found you. Now listen. Now listen. And how might you listen? Well, you know, how is your parish priest interpreting? How has someone loved you in your life? That is an instance of God loving, showing, you know, God showing his love to you through someone else. What does Jesus say in scripture? You know, go back to scripture and listen to Christ. Read it carefully and listen to what Christ is saying. And then you'll know that the spirit is in your life already. There you go. There's my little homily, right? There you go on that, right? Beautiful. But don't let Pentecost pass by as just a feast. It's a lot more than that. Um, Caroline, any final thoughts before we move on? No, I think everything you've you summed it up pretty well, and I like the part. I did. I did take notice of Father Prince's homily the other <laughs> few weeks ago about praying. Pray properly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't pray. You know, it, it makes sense. Pray. You kind of know what you're gonna like when you pray for something. Like, please make me rich so that I can get three Teslas. And I mean, that's not likely to happen, is it? <laughs> although, although uh, yes, that's right. But, but you know, I mean, the Holy Spirit, you know, if that's God's will, I'm, I'm here. Yeah, okay, I'm, yeah, I'm here yeah, for that. Yeah, but, but it's not. But anyway, yeah, let's move yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. 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 Anyway, but yes, that's my thought. Yeah. No, that's good. I'd like one Tesla. That would be good. That would that's be great. achievable, maybe. Well, I don't know, but you know. <laughs> I mean, if I walk out after this podcast and there's a there's a Tesla in the driveway, I'm not going to complain. I'll be like, thanks. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I would say, how do I know what to pray for? It's all there in the Our Father. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. 100%. The unfolding of God's kingdom on the world. And then go and do it. <laughs> in how, you know, however, the, what's the fire? That, you know, Think of the fire of those two at, uh, on the road to Emmaus, right? They felt the fire of, you know, after hearing Jesus preaching. Well, what's the fire in your heart calling you to do? When you hear, when you pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. All right, shall we move on, Caroline? Yeah, because I'm excited for this. So let's talk about science. <laughs> ah, what a fine day for science. You have any hobbies? I collect spores, molds, and fungus. Can you reverse the polarity? I'll do my best. So, uh, Caroline, you piqued my interest during the week when you texted in our in our um, in our Catholics of Oz uh, chat that uh, you're going to be talking about what is that? Ancient drop bears. Yes. Now we've ha- we've we've had some drop bear stuff going on before, so I'll I won't I won't take the words out of your mouth because I know you want to talk about it. So, Caroline, tell us about the <laughs> science of ancient drop bears. So I actually heard about this. Excuse my voice. I heard about this this week on the radio and I just had to look into it some more and find out more about it and I just thought this is perfect. (laughs) So here we are, ancient drop bears. Now look, 
We know that drop bears are quite common here in Australia. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, maybe not, maybe not. But the legend of the drop bear is, right? <laughs> the legend is very common, yeah. That's it. Yeah. So, and if you want to know more about drop bears, I would like to um, direct you to a great discussion about them in episode 148 of Jimmy Aiken's Mysterious World. Possibly featuring the Catholics of Oz as well. Possibly featuring us, <laughs> yes. So that was quite a fun episode. But he maybe is maybe suggesting that were, were they real? Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> well, today I want to explore the possible connection with the drop bear or the flesh-eating koala that drops out of trees and mauls <laughs> tourists with the ancient species of koala-like marsupial named Nimbodon levaracorum. This is why we shouldn't use Latin names for flora and fauna, I'm just saying, yeah. <laughs> so let's just call him Nimbodon, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Researchers at the University of New South Wales have actually been studying 15 million-year-old fossil skeletons of these ancient marsupials and recently published their results in the Journal of Paleontology. So this is very new findings right now. And I'll provide a link to the journal article. Yep. Because it's quite interesting and it's relatively easy to read. It's well laid out. You may need to look up some terms, but I found it really, really good to read. So the well-preserved bones uh, being studied were found in a cave in the Riversley World Heritage Area, Bujamala in Wani area of northwestern Queensland. So Nimbadon lived in the Middle Miocene period, which was about 25 to 10 million years ago when large animals were actually, large mammals were abundant. Quite quite a good time for animals, lots of mammals around, lots of different types of mammals. And they were larger, weren't they? Is that right? They were really big. They were really big. And I'll tell you how big soon. Yeah. Am I making this up that there were like giant wombats and things? That's that's also a thing or? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Just want to give one a cuddle. There's heaps of big animals. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you want to cuddle them, but yes. The, the nice ones, not they the grumpy large. ones. I know, I know wombats could be quite That's dangerous, it. but yeah. yeah. But they're so cute and very too. They are, yeah. with claws and bitey things. Yes. Yeah. Um, Australia. <laughs> yeah. So, yes. So this Miocene period was a time when the Earth went through a warm, warming up period after the cooler Oligocene period. So it, it was warm and then it, it was quite wet, but then as the Miocene period went on, it actually became drier over time. But in the time period when Nimbadon lived and where the Riversley skeletons were found, it was a lush rainforest and it was filled with lakes and waterways. The skeletons from the animals that died in the area were actually very well preserved due to the calcium carbonate that's in the water and that created a mud that was ideal for preservation. Mm-hmm. Animals that lived during this time included, ready? Yep, go for it. And this was in Australia, included flesh-eating kangaroos. Awesome. Tree, yes, tree-climbing crocodiles, Ooh. marsupial lions, horned turtles, and something called a fingerdoton, which <laughs> belongs to the only completely extinct order of Australian marsupials is strange and it's also strange in the way that it has no close relatives that actually could be studied mm. and they think that maybe it ate caterpillars or eggs so there we go so that was the calm one in the family compared to all the others basically yeah eight caterpillars and eggs that's it and i just want to point out i know that many people have said australia is full of dangerous animals i, I mean you ain't seen nothing all right so <laughs> they, those are it, it's calm compared to maybe what it was 10 million years ago 
But let me say one word, cassowary. I was thinking of cassowary, I was going to say, but still don't pet a cassowary. Yeah, whatever you do. The only good way to see a cassowary is from behind a fence. <laughs> I was thinking exactly the same thing as you. And that's the only way you'll actually ever see one. Yeah. And the only way you actually want to see one. Yeah. Google it. They're beautiful, but don't go. They look at you funny. They are beautiful birds. They look at you funny. It's basically a velociraptor with feathers. I'll just say that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And about our height. And yeah, and yeah, human size. Yeah. Probably as close to Jurassic Park as you'll get in Australia. Yeah, yeah. I think so. <laughs> emus. Yeah, emus are Yeah, okay. but they're calm. You anyway. can feed them. You can feed them from your hand. Emus, are, yeah. Yeah. They're pretty docile. They're quite assertive though. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> Just be nice to emus. <laughs> anyway. Don't offend them. You'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Oh, I love them. Anyway. Don't, don't, just don't remind them they can't fly and they'll be, you'll be okay. Yes, yeah. that's right. Anyway, <laughs> carrying on. on. Back to Nimbodon. This animal actually belongs to an extinct group of marsupials called the Diprodontid. And the closest known living relatives of Nimbodon are actually the wombats and koalas who are in the order of Diprodontia. And these are characterized as having two forwardly directed lower incisors, which they used to chew on and break down vegetation. The Diprodontids were a large group of marsupials with large bodies and they weighed between 70 to 2,000 kilograms. Massive, massive animals. Mm. And their fossils have been found in Australia and New Guinea. Now, Nimbodon was thought to weigh in at about 70 kilograms. He lived in the Australian forest canopies. Even though it was on the small side of the large animals, one of the largest to live in trees. You don't want 70 kilos falling on top of you. Um, <laughs> no way. When, when these skeletons were first discovered in 1993, scientists assumed that these animals used to move in herds and forage for leaves on the forest floor. However, further study into Nimbodon showed that it was anatomically similar to koalas having four limbs, highly mobile shoulders, elbows, as well as semi-opposable digits with large claws. And its body shape was ideal for living up in the trees and hopefully holding on to them. <laughs> and I say this because paleontologists think that not only did Nimbodon hug trees like koalas, but they probably also hung from trees in similar way to sloths. <laughs> and that's where the drop bear part comes uh-huh. in. That's the legend. These koalas, yeah. that's right. These koalas used to hang from the trees. <laughs> and presumably if they didn't hang onto a tree properly for any reason, they would drop <laughs> like a drop bear. <laughs> in fact, it's in the forest floor caves where the fossilized skeletons have been found. So it seems some animals did drop out of trees and they've even been preserved well enough to study in depth. Further study on the fossilized skeleton found that the bone was extremely well preserved and intact enough to study the growth patterns of Nimbodon. Um, In this particular study that I read, juvenile and adult tibia and femur bones were examined microscopically and they found growth marks indicated by stratification in the bone suggesting times of rapid growth and periods of slow growth in the animals. The periods of fast and slow growth in the animals can be explained by environmental conditions at the time that they were living. The periods of fast growth indicate the times where there was abundance of food and water, while the periods of slow growth would correlate with times when it was harsher, so less resources were available. This phenomenon is actually being seen today in western grey kangaroo bones, which is a species that lives in Australia today. So they will grow during good times and they will slow their growth during harsher times. 
Though for these nimbodon animals, the studies suggest that their teeth were ideal for eating fruit. And the researchers put forward that perhaps there was a rise and fall in the abundance of fruit during the middle Miocene period when they lived, possibly caused by the variation of the amount of rainfall that occurred each season. The growth marks also indicated that it took about seven to eight years for an individual to reach sexual maturity. If there was a slow year, maybe they didn't, you know, really grow at all that year. It could have taken longer than that. So since growth to an adult took so long, it's also thought that these Nimbodon animals were probably quite long-lived. So there you go. Something interesting about the... Yeah. Not so ferocious, real life drop bear of Australia. Yeah, so they're real. <laughs> We've confirmed now that at least at one point they were like real bona fide drop bears. Yeah, they are now. Now that it's lazy That's things that right. eat koala, that exactly. eat eucalyptus and sleep for most of the day, but uh, you know, but um, yeah, they were real. There yeah. you go. <laughs> they were real. Drop bears were real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at least in, in earlier times. Wow. So what? Ten million years ago. Yeah. We missed them by that yeah, much. Yeah, <laughs> about 15 million, yeah. Kind of happy we missed them, though. Missed it by this much. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be working around Churchill Park, you know, walk, <laughs> go for a walk there, and then a you know 2,000 kilo drop bear, you know, ancient koala falls in you. That wouldn't be great. No, that wouldn't be good. Mm. So I remember on Jimmy Aiken's Mysterious World, one of the uh, jokes, like the jokes about drop bears, you know, for people visiting Australia, um, there were, like, like there was a parody guide about what to do. And one of the things said, if you want to be safe so that they, you know, like so they stay away from you is to smear... Uh, Vegemite on your face. <laughs> yes. I wonder if that would have worked with these ancient drop bears or if it would have made you more tasty for them. See, it depends because I reckon that half of drop bears would enjoy Vegemite and the other half wouldn't, just like in this, <laughs> the pop general yeah. population of humans. I'm just guessing. Like the rest of Australia. Because <laughs> you either actually really love Vegemite or you don't. Yeah. Mm, I'm in the I love Vegemite. Yeah, that's right. Of course we are. We have to declare that. I'm in the I love Vegemite. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, sorry, we're not yes. ashamed, everyone. We do love Vegemite. We do, mm. we do. But yeah, I mean, yeah. Vegemite on toast with butter. Mm. So good. There's nothing better. Nothing's honestly. better. Exactly. We should have put that in the entertainment mm. segment. Uh, <laughs> 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 that that is such a fascinating topic. I, I didn't realize, isn't it? Cool? Yeah, yeah. That like yeah. Your ferocious quails, but also hearing about you know flesh eating kangaroos and crocodiles in trees. I thought, I thought, are you pulling my leg? But that's it's amazing to think of what these ancient Australian creatures were were like before, and then through evolution, they've kind of calmed down a little bit. It's so amazing. I mean, everybody loves a dinosaur, right? Yeah. But there's all this, also this period of crazy mammals and marsupials living, and we've still got, you know, their and their um, descendants, descendants today. Yeah. So we kind of have a tiny glimpse of literally tiny because they're a lot tinier than yeah. than their ancestors. Yeah. And imagine living with all those beautiful, massive, furry, cuddly animals. Okay, not so cuddly, but. <laughs> Wow. This is the thing, I mean, right? It, it, I think, yeah. yeah. Like a lot of Australian animals, right, crocodiles aside, right, a lot of Australian animals are cuddly, right? Not not all of them, right? You know, they look like, cuddly. Like there are some spiny ones, you know, like echidnas or whatever. You just don't yeah. touch them, right? But they're, yeah. they're pretty cuddly. However, they're pretty ferocious too. <laughs> like, the thing is, I reckon you'd have a time limit. Like you could hold a koala for a while until it's had enough. Yeah. And there's like claws. And like probably the same for a wombat. Wombats are gorgeous. Like they're actually my favorite. And I've cuddled a wombat. Yeah. I've cu- oh. and like not in the wild, obviously. Like, you know, this is my yeah. inner farm yeah. was all controlled. 
and is like the best cuddle you'll ever have, right? Yeah. But they can be so fierce. Exactly. I reckon if when it's had enough, claws. Claws. Because those claws are massive. Have you seen, you've seen the claws, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they've got to dig. They dig holes in the ground. They make massive burrows because wombats can get quite large. Yes. Not as large as those ancient marsupials. But they pack on a lot. They yeah, can get yeah. really big. and. Those claws, as big as your fingers, like look at your fingers now. Mm, yeah. <laughs> That's how big their claws yeah, get. They're like really long. Yeah. Goodness me, yeah. Crazy. And a kangaroo, like we feed kangaroos like we go to wildlife parks and things like that. Yeah, yeah, and wallabies and yep, yep. But it's deceptive because if you go in the wild and you attempt to feed like a massive tall kangaroo, yep. I wouldn't do it because yep. they will just stand on their tail and it's not. it's been documented a few cases of pe- people actually being Beaten up by kangaroos, so. Yeah, beaten up. They actually do. They're, they're like, they're nature's bullies. Yeah, that's right. Um, just watch two alphas getting into a fight. There's videos everywhere. You do not oh. want to mess with kangaroos when they're angry. Yeah. No. Yeah, they're quite fierce. But anyway, we love them anyway. And I, like we do cuddle them yep. when we go to wildlife parks and stuff. So They are beautiful Aussie icons and we love them, even if they're, you know, they've got a bit of an attitude problem in the wild. <laughs> Yeah, Fantastic. but that's similar to humans, isn't it? We're nice until we're not. <laughs> yeah, but not but not kangaroo wombat wild, you know. No, yeah. maybe not that crazy. Yeah. We um, don't have claws. Yeah, yeah, thankfully. Caroline, I love a good Australian animal segment and that was that was fascinating. Thanks for sharing that. That was so good. Oh, very welcome. Yeah. It was fun. All right, well, um, let's move on. We'll finish off the show by talking about some entertainment. I don't know where you get your delusions. Not what we came here to do. No. But it's what I'm going to do. I have a plan. You've got a plan. I have part of a plan. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? I've got one, Caroline, to share, but I'm not sure if I can recommend it, to be honest. I've been thinking about this. So... We, um, Isabel and I, we love, you know, watching like, you know, like those situational comedies, you know, like the 20 minute comedy episodes and it's just, you know, 20 minutes of contained laughter all the way through. So we came across another one and this one was on Paramount Plus and it's called uh, Nora from Queens and it stars, um, so her, her stage name is Aquafina, I think is how you say it. And she was the actress that she probably most recognized by listeners of this network. She played the kind of like the sidekick of Shang-Chi in the, the Marvel film. Um, you know, she's like the comedy relief in the, in the show. And very talented comedian in terms of pulling off comedy, right? She's really, you know, she's quite entertaining in that, in that movie. And so this is like a, a comedy series. It's kind of based on her real life. You know, I've been, I was reading a bit of background to it. So the characters are based on real people. The, some of the situations in her life are based on real situations. And it's a comedy about growing, uh, about not growing up, about being an adult in um, Queens in New York. And on the plus side, her comedy acting is great. She is so funny, right? She's so funny in, in, the, in the situation she's set up. She's a great actress. The characters around her are really well constructed. There's some really good, you know, she lives in a, in a house um, with her father, and with her grandmother, who's a very, very cheeky grandmother. And, you know, and the, the situations they set up in a lot of the episodes are really funny. There was a time travel one, which I was laughing so hard at, right? It was this just ridiculous. The plot is that she, um, she has shingles on her neck and they tell her you need to go to the doctor and get it checked. So she goes to the doctor. For some reason, she ends up getting an MRI because the doctor has someone else's results, not hers. And so she needs an MRI. So she goes to the MRI machine. There's an earthquake. 
and apparently that sends her back in time to 2003. So, you know, so anyway, so and that episode is really funny. So, so that's all really good. However, there's a lot of adult comedy, like, and I say, I mean a lot. And it's, you know, kind of hard to wade through some of it. Like me and my wife are watching, we'll be laughing and they're like, oh, did they have to do that joke? You know what I mean? There's a lot of that. So uh, can I recommend it? Yes, for the acting and yes, for the comedy. No, if you're not a fan of adult comedy, like we're not big fans of adult oriented comedy. Like, you know, like, you know, there's some heavily sexualized stuff. I'll just put it that way. Right. So Isabel and I, we don't, we're not really into that. If that makes sense. We like comedy for comedy's sake, not for, not when it's like deliberately like rude and whatever else. Right. So if you're not a fan of that, I'd say don't watch it. But what we did get through, the majority of it was really funny in the way that she sets things up. Like there's one where, because her, in the story, her mother died when she was four years old. And so she's living with her dad who's been alone. And he, every time he finds a date, she, she's all through her life, she ruins it. Like she always ruins the date somehow by doing something really mean. And she develops this imaginary friend that helps her comes up, come up with ways. You know, as a child, she developed this imaginary friend that helped her came up, come up with ways to ruin these dates. So then her dad goes on this date with this really lovely person, this kind, whatever. And her imaginary friend comes back to her as an adult. And, and you know, it's like this, it's like a, a guy in a puppet suit, right? And, and helps her to ruin the date, you know, and, and eventually, obviously, she comes to love this person or whatever. But yeah, so there are some touching moments that are really well dramatized. But yeah, you've got to wade through a lot of adult humor if you want to stick with the show. So I'd say if you're listening, watch it for yourself and decide if it's worth watching or not. Yeah, so I'll put it that way. Uh, Caroline, how about yourself? So, apart from many, many episodes of MasterChef yep. Australia, and also my son loves MasterChef USA, so we've been <laughs> <laughs> streaming that as well. Is Gordon Ramsay still doing that? Gordon Ramsay is still doing it, yes. Yep. And it is actually the last season is they've got MasterChefs from previous seasons. Yeah. So... They're all competing again, which is always fun to watch. So we already know these characters and characters. Well, they're not characters. They're real people. They're people, yeah. They're real contestants, <laughs> yeah. And they are competing again. So that's really cool to see. Yeah. And the reason why we watch the next thing is because of our dog Astro, who is a black <laughs> pug. Yeah. And my boys love anything to do with pugs. Yeah. So... We watched Men in Black <laughs> last week yeah, so that they could see Frank the Pug. Yes. <laughs> um, and also to watch Men in Black, yep. which is always entertaining, pretty yeah. funny. That the first one I think is really cool. I just love the Ego suit, you know, Ego suit. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I still haven't seen the third one. I, I need to get around to that. I don't know if I've seen number three. Yeah. I should watch it just because. Yeah. Yeah, I think the first one's really good. The second one's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it's not, not as good. Yeah. I mean, the pug is in it a lot more, but he's like not the personality of Astro, definitely not. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I'm not sure if I actually wanted my kids to watch the second one. Yeah. But the first one, it was kind of okay. So we watched it. Yeah. I mean, everybody's probably seen Men in Black by now, so you've probably already got an opinion about it. And you'll have the Will Smith song going through your head. Next Generation are coming up. So I was like, yeah, I think probably they should watch Men in Black yeah. just for the fun of it. That's all really. It's been a bit of a slow entertainment yeah. couple of weeks for us. I've been super busy this week. So like, um, yeah, so it's just been, yeah, watching short episodes of like shows like that. Yeah. And I'm sure next time we podcast when Lino's back, he'll, he'll be talking entertainment through a multiple lens and talk about his holidays. So looking forward to oh, I hope he's watched some of the soaps, although he probably oh. wouldn't understand them. <laughs> I've watched them when I was there and it's like, yeah, 
pretty pretty good. So I remember yeah. there was this one soap um, that our nanna, where, you know, when she was still alive, yeah. God bless her, she was yeah. watching it when we were in Malta in 2016. Yeah. And... It, the credits, the opening credits were so long because there were so many characters. It was like this yeah. character. It was like it was like neighbors on on drugs, right? It was like this yeah. character, this character, this character, and even the dog. Like there's this character, the dog, the dog who's in the credits. Mentioned. Yeah, and so while it's going on, I'm like, "Where's the dog? Where's the dog? You know, I want to see the dog. What's the what's the dog's you know, role in the plot? You know, how does the dog you know so con- contribute to the rising action of this you know of this story?" Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I used to watch, there was a soap, I can't remember the name now, but I used to watch it with our auntie Teresa. Yeah. We used to watch it every day. And it's like, and then you get hooked and then you come home and you're like, oh no, this show, where am I going to yeah, find it? Yeah, when you it? come to Australia, how am I supposed to watch it? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I think I think you could stream Maltese TV a bit better now than a few years ago. Well, our mum was yeah. texting us about this. She sent us a link where you can watch Maltese TV. So there you go. Yeah. That's right. There you yes. are. You know, it's European yeah. TV. It's good. I went to I went to visit her at, at her house yesterday, last night, because I, I drop off my son Damien to youth group at our church, and she obviously lives just two minutes drive away. So I stay with her till youth group is finished. Just as I was about to leave to pick up Damien, I had to get him at a certain time. I was about to leave to pick up Damien. She goes, "Oh, don't forget, you can watch Maltese TV here." And she showed me. She goes, "Oh, there's a documentary on the catacombs right now. <laughs> oh, he's saying this, he's saying that." She gets, she's getting excited. It's so funny. I loved it. It's so good. That's funny. Let's wrap it up there. So um, we want to thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for joining us for episode 98 of the Catholics of Oz. Please remember our countdown to our 100th episode. Um, at the top of the show, I mentioned, please, we would love you to record some comments. So just do an audio recording and send them to us at Catholics of Oz at sqpn.com, spelt O-Z. But before we go today, we'd love to take a moment to thank our patrons who helped to create the Catholics of Oz. Today, we want to thank Jeffrey F., N.R., A.J., Gianna D and Cindy D. Through their generous donations at sqpn.com, they make a possible for the Catholics of Oz and all of the other shows on StarQuest to continue. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Also, we'd love to know your thoughts about the topics we've discussed today. You can send us feedback by visiting sqpn.com slash Oz, where you can also find our show notes. While you're visiting the SQPN website, don't forget to sign up for the Insiders Club newsletter. I think that when you go to the website now, it actually pops up and says, hey, sign up. But if you need to go there you know, through a web address, sqpn.com slash about slash newsletter. You can comment on our shows at Discord, sqpn.com slash Discord. All the shows have their own channels, so you can come and comment there. We had some lovely comments um, there about our last episode on the Uluru Statement. So thank you to those who are part of that conversation. That was really good. That we had one who gave the perspective of Canada saying you know, that they've got a treaty with the Indigenous peoples of Canada already and saying, wow, I didn't know Australia didn't have a treaty yet. And we're like, yeah, same with us. Why don't we have a treaty yet? So Yeah, we need a treaty. Treaty now. Yeah, do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yeah, it was nice to hear that, that, those comments though that people were engaging with that. So thank you so much. You can also find um, our shows uh, and the other shows on SQPN socials, facebook.com slash StarQuest Media, Twitter at SQPN, Instagram, search for StarQuest Media, and our own Catholics of Oz Facebook page, facebook.com slash Catholics of Oz where I've posted about how you can record for our 100th episode as well. You can see that there. And as I've mentioned a few times in the show, you can email us at catholicsofoz at sqpn.com. Caroline, thank you so much for being part of today's episode. Thank you. Sorry, I was a bit grisly this episode, but you've done hopefully well. better next time. <laughs> yeah, you've done well. We'll get more, more um, what's that, honey, lemon, lemon and honey tea into you, see how you yes, go. Yes, honey for a beer. Yep. (laughs) Yep. And we are looking forward to having Lino back next episode. If he's not too jet lagged, you should be all right by then. But once again, I'm Lindsay Sant, and thank you so much for listening to episode 98 
of the Catholics of Oz on StarQuest. Here's another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy. The Secrets of Doctor Who. Find the show wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash Doctor Who.